What does it mean to love? What does it mean to be loved? As I begin this morning, I want you to think about those two questions. Because love is is more than an emotion. It's more than an expression of affection. It's more than a sexual act. Love is the foundation of everything that God values. And that's what this, basically the scripture said this morning. That all the law of the Old Testament, all the rules, all the guidelines, all the premises of the Old Testament rest on love. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Everything hinges upon our ability to love. How many of you would like for me to tell a story about how I bombed in this? Anybody want to hear? Yeah, Jesse does. Let me, let me tell you a story how I bombed in this. And I bombed in this within the last week. Um, you know, one of the things I love to do after Christmas is go shopping. And so um, my wife and I had gone to our Walmart here in Elizabethan. And I'd gone shopping and I bought my stuff. And as usual, when I'm in the checkout line, she's mingling somewhere else. And it's not, you know, it's pretty normal that after I check out and wait in line for 30 minutes and finally she comes to the front, that she's got more to check out and then we have to go back through the line again. And so I'd already checked through the line. I couldn't really find her. And I noticed some young people. Now I would say they're in their mid-20s or so and they're walking along. And, uh, and, and I'd already passed them. They're up to no good. Nothing good happens in Elizabethton after 10 o'clock. And this was around 1130 when we were there. And so nothing good can happen. Nobody, and, and if you're one of the frequent, frequents Walmart at 1130 at night like I do, nothing good can come of this, right? And so I'm in Walmart and these kids, they're up to no good. Uh, and I say they're kids. They could be in their mid-20s. But they were, they were acting like five-year-olds. They were acting worse than, than my son and my daughter. And so they were in Walmart. And I was sitting there on my phone just waiting on my wife to get done and I heard them talking smack about me okay I don't I don't you know you don't talk smack about me and so I was like Christmas is over and New Year's on the rise and you're like you know what what have I got to lose and so I'm sitting there in the, in the little chair at Walmart in the front and I said you know that's a good way to get your tail beat And the guy looks at me and his girlfriend, and I said, and let me just tell you, I'm not in the mood tonight. <laughs> to which his girlfriend replied, I think we ought to leave him alone. I said, I think you better take your girlfriend's advice. Now, I tell you that story because then I tell this to Tabby, and Tabby's like, you did what? You're the pastor of First Baptist Church. And I said, yeah, and I didn't invite them to church. So if they're listening in, I'm talking about you this morning. I tell you that because this is what I know. If I, as a pastor of a church, can fail, because I walk away from that and I'm preparing this sermon, I'm thinking, oh, wow, I demonstrated love in that moment. The love of Jesus, pow, crucify him. Um, I tell you that story because we fail to love so much. We, I mean, now we choose who we're going to love. It's very easy for us to love people around Christmas, and we're a jolly old self other than myself. Um, but it, it's very easy to love people around Christmas. We love our loved ones. We buy them presents. We go to all these parties. We smile. We get pictures taken. You send those pictures in the mail as Christmas cards or whatnot. And everything looks the part. But the reality is that love may be a consequence. We are not prioritizing it in our lives. 
In other words, love may just kind of happen on the side. You know, if we catch it like the flu, that's great. But we're not consciously pursuing the love of Christ in our relationships. And I, and I say this because we don't, we're not pursuing it in our, in our marital relationship. We're not pursuing it in our, in our relationships with our children, our grandchildren, or even with our church family. If it happens, it's okay. And it's not that we don't want it to happen. We want it to happen. But here's what I'm going to tell you is that you and I can plan all day long. Love does not just happen. We have to be intentional in demonstrating love to people. Now, the scripture that was up there, the, the, the kind of the video demonstrated, it says, love people that don't like you. Pray for those who persecute you and whatnot. That is how you and I are to demonstrate love. Love is the foundation of everything that God thinks is important. Everything that matters in life is built on love. Everything that matters to God is built on love. And everything that matters to the church must be built on love. Now, we're going to be in this series for a number of weeks, but the, this, today I just want to speak about everything that matters in life is built on love. And I want you to think about it in these terms. Love is the foundation. In other words, if you're going to, as you look at your life, if you want to experience the relationship that you've always wanted with that significant other or with that spouse, with that girlfriend or with that boyfriend or, or with your children or whatnot, love has got to be the foundation at the very base of everything that you do. It has to be rooted in love. If love is not the foundation of your home, your home will crumble. If love is not the foundation of your relationships, your relationship is going to crumble. If you're in a relationship with a guy or girl and you're in that relationship because they look hot, I'm, hearing, I'm here to tell you it will fail. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you it will fail because relationships never should be built upon how we look. Relationships should be built upon the love that God gives to us. Everything that matters in life is built on love. Love is the foundation. And first and foremost, love is the foundation of our relationship to God. If you look in 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4 verses 17 through 19, you'll see this. 1 John chapter 4 verses 17 through 19 says this, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Love is the foundation of of our relationship with God. Salvation is our acceptance of God's love for us and our love for God as expressed in our belief, our trust, and our confidence in His one and only Son, namely the person of Jesus Christ. We love because He first loved us. You say, well, I don't, you don't have to be a follower of Christ to love. And that is true. But you do have to be a follower of Christ to understand and comprehend the love that he has for you and to understand and comprehend and to be able to translate that love to other people. The world loves. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. We use that word very flippantly. But you and I get a greater understanding of what love is when we come to Christ. Why? Because 
Christ is God and God is love. There is no understanding of love outside of God. You say, well, how in the world does the world love without Christ? And what I would tell you is God, who is immeasurable and who is rich in, in giving us all these blessings... Part of his grace is the fact that you and I have the ability to love and the ability to be loved even before we ever come to know Jesus Christ. Because God, from the very beginning, from the very foundation, has put his love into action. His love was in action in the beginning. He created a world and set the moon and stars in space. He created this earth and he set a perfect place where people, where Adam and Eve could flourish. They chose to rebel against God. They chose to have it their own way. And therefore, they were excluded from the garden. And ever since that moment of sin entered the picture, there has been this issue and this need to get back in right relationship with God. And the only way that can happen is through whom He has provided. And that is Jesus. There is no way back to the Father but through Jesus Christ. There is no mending your relationship but through Jesus Christ. There is no access to God but through the person of Jesus Christ. There is no way that you're ever going to be able to fix your relationship, your wife's relationship, your husband's relationship, your children's relationships, your family relationships, your church relationships, without first going to the source of who began love in the first place. And that is God. Love is the foundation of our relationship to God. If we have all the correct doctrine and we have all the right beliefs and we have all our T's crossed and all our I's dotted, but we miss this essential component of love, we have failed. All the right doctrine in the world won't save you. All the right doctrine in the world won't set you apart and make you holy. Right doctrine will lead you to be a biblical scholar. But let me tell you this. I've known plenty of biblical scholars that I believe are on a pathway to hell. Because it's not about knowing the Bible. It's not about knowing theology. It's not about knowing correct doctrine and being able to cite the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed and all these other creeds and all the church fathers and everything else. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of our being. That's the foundation and must be the foundation of our relationships. Without Jesus, there is no love. Without Jesus, there is no hope. And you and I are doomed without him. But not only is love the foundation of our relationship to God, love is the foundation and should be the foundation of our home. If you look in John chapter 14... Verses 23 and 24, Jesus speaking. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Love is to be the foundation of our home. And I want to really spend some time here with this. And I want you, husbands and wives, I want you to listen to this. Many of us in this room are married. Many of us 
have tied the knot, so to speak. Many of us have exchanged rings like this before an audience of people. Many brides have walked down an aisle in a white dress with a veil over the given by the Father and the ceremony has taken place and we've gone out of here and we've gone to have a party and a reception and then people have gone on their honeymoon and life has gone on and we have celebrated the marriage and, and, or we've celebrated that wedding and you've even got that marriage certificate somewhere in a, or in a security box somewhere so that when you have to have it or whatnot, but I'm here to tell you that while many of us are married, we're not really. Because just because we live in the same house, just because we've grown a family, just because the person lays in bed beside of us, just because we have a sexual relationship with somebody that we happen to exchange vows in front of the church, that does not mean. That you and I have a marriage. That only means that we jump through the hoop of a wedding. And having counseled numbers of adults in premarital counseling as they get ready for a wedding. I'm going to tell you, there are so many couples today that are married. They look, they're picturesque. I mean, they're like, as I keep talking about, a Hallmark card. I mean, you send out that card of the holidays. It shows mom smiling and dad smiling. and He's got her arm around her. And you've got those 2.2 children living the American dream. And you've got all these things. You send that out. And that's the picture that you want to convey. But behind that picture, behind the lights behind the, that, that, that little picturesque moment, there's drama, there's chaos going on, and you truly are not experiencing the love that you thought you would when you said, I do. Many of us, many of us are married. We live in the same house, we've grown a family. The pictures on our walls the pictures on Facebook that we post portray that we are happy. But the sad reality is that there's not much difference between that spouse and the roommate that we had in college other than that this roommate comes with certain benefits. Now I'm portraying this as very real and honest because in our world today, in our society today, and in the church today, there is a tremendous sense of brokenness in the home. And I, I, I believe it's, you know, people blame it on a variety of things. People blame it on, well, you know, they've got, al they've got alcoholism or they've got some kind of drug abuse or whatnot. People blame it on, well, you know, our priorities. I, it, my husband's focused on his job and he doesn't spend enough time in the home. We, there's, a, there's many, many, many things that we want to cough it up to. But the reality is when it's all said and done, there's a breakdown in our experience of love and our ability to be overwhelmed by the love of God and to demonstrate that love in the home. And so what I would say to you, if you're in a marriage today that you're like, you know, there are times that I felt like I was a roommate. Let me be the first to tell you, there have been times in our marriage where we both talked about this, where we've said, I feel like a roommate. Like, I don't feel like, I just feel like we've kind of reached this point where it's just kind of, <sighs> have you ever reached that point in your relationship? It's just kind of, well, some of you don't want to be honest. But anyway, the reality is that's normal to experience it. But you don't have to stay there. 
And that's the challenge for the church. We, we have a great challenge not becoming stagnant. The church is moving at a snail's pace. And so we move at a snail's pace in every interaction that you and I have. But here's the fact. You and I only have a seven, maybe 70 or so years. It is a split second, so to speak, in eternity. Not even a second. So what are you and I going to do to prioritize, to make our families a priority, and to make love a priority for the family? And we're bothered by the fact that we are married to our roommate, so to speak. We're bothered by the fact that our relationship has not soared like we wanted it to soar. We're upset, but we just bought into the lie that it can't be better. And so we've grown to accept it. And even in the last year, as I've talked to many of you, I've asked several of you, (coughs) had you have it, if you had it to do over again, would you marry the person that you married? And amazing people have told me, no. How sad. And so, my prayer for you, my prayer for us, If God has given you his son, which he's done, and you're a follower of Jesus, your husband may not be the man, the prince charming, that you dreamed that he would be when he said, I do. Your wife will not be the princess of Cinderella's castle like you hoped she would be, and you will not be the king of the kingdom like you had hoped to be. But if you will begin with each other, and if you will put your relationship before Christ, And you'll say, you know what, in 2015, if everything that matters in life is built on love, then everything that matters in this home needs to be built on love. And everything that matters to this marriage needs to be built on love. The passion, the excitement, the romance, many of us, it is long since past. And we're thinking, if you're you're a man, you're thinking this way. You're thinking, you know, I've got kids And it's great, we're so busy right now. And you know, maybe the romance and the passion and the excitement will come back when my kids are out of the house. And so you're waiting. And many of your wives are saying the same thing. But here's the thing, start today. Don't wait for your kids to go to college. Because here's what happens, ladies and gentlemen. If you and I, if we throw our lives into our children and we make them the sole priority of the family... When they're gone, we have nothing left to have a relationship over. So guess what happens? We leave. We throw in the towel. And I can't tell you how many people have been married 20, 25 years. Throw in the towel. It's not that they're mad at each other. It's just they don't know each other. Because they've been raising kids for the last 18 to 25 years. And suddenly they find themselves not compatible. Who is this person that I'm laying beside? So if you've already thought to yourself, I'll just wait for a couple years when the kids are older and my relationship will be better. Don't bind to that lie. Start the relationship now. If you're the man, you need to be the man. You need to be the man and lay down the love of Christ in your relationship. And notice I'm speaking to the man because it is the man's job to do that. It is your biblical requirement. And I'm not talking about lording over her. I'm talking about loving her as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He gave his life for the church. Give your life for the church. Don't focus on your job. Don't focus on your 401k. Don't worry about tomorrow, but live in today. Your family matters today. Love 
matters now. Love is the foundation of our relationship to God. It is the foundation of the home. Every once in a while, you and I experience a flame in our relationship, a hope in the midst of our chaos which we are living. But that flame simply is not enough to resurrect the love that you and I once had for our spouse. So I'm just going to say in 2015, let me ask you this. How long has it been since you and your wife went out on a date? By yourselves. Not with another couple. Not with your kids. By yourself. When's the last time you went out on a date by yourself with your spouse? And your conversation was not about your work. Not about his work. Not about your children's lives. Not about your family. But when is the last time you had a date with your spouse. And your conversation at the dinner table was about you and her or you and him. Now, if, if you've not done this, let me tell you something. We, I, I told you in our marriage, we reached a point where we're like, gosh, we're roommates, so we, we go out to eat. And our rule was, we're not going to talk about kids. We're not going to talk about church. We're not going to talk about your work. We're just going to talk about us. And so we sat there. <laughs> and I'm a talker. Gosh, this cheesecake is great. What do we have to talk about? You're going to find, just like what I did, is that you and I assume that we're communicating a lot of things, when in reality, we're not. You cannot assume love. Love has to be intentional. That's why it drove me bananas. I think it's in 1989, this dates me. But in 1989, when that movie Ghost came out with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore says, I love you. And the only thing he could say is, what? Ditto. That drove me bananas. Ditto. What does that mean? That's an in, listen, it, love is not automatic. You need to communicate it. If your wife tells you, honey, I love you, don't say, I feel the same way. No. You say, I love you too. And this is what I'm going to tell you. The more you show affection to your spouse, the more that like if you go in the mall, hold hands in the mall. Now some of you guys are like, I don't like doing that. Get over it. Let me tell you why. I'll give you a little secret to a relationship. When you do those small things, when you make her feel like she is the queen of the world, on a daily basis, your relationships have sparks, if you get what I'm saying. Your relationship soars to new places. Your honesty transcends what you ever expected. And suddenly, you're not worried about how you're presenting yourself to your spouse. You're focused on a relationship and growing that relationship in Christ. Love is the solution to our relationship because God is love. You cannot discuss love in your relationship without discussing God. And yet there's still some more of us who because of past experiences we've either been abused or we're in the process of being abused spiritually, emotionally, and physically and it's affecting our relationships. Let me say this. If you have been abused it doesn't matter how the abuse is, whether it's physical, psychological, emotional, sexual, whatever it is. 
no matter how good you are at coping with that trauma, it is going to permeate and affect every relationship that you have. You're naive to assume otherwise, even if you get the best of help. I had a friend of mine some years ago. We used to meet and we'd have coffee every Tuesday and Thursday. And he had gotten married and uh, we were kind of newlyweds at the time. And he asked me one day, he said, how, how is your relationship with Tabby? I said, it's going great. I mean, it's, you know, it's, people talk about you get this, you know, kind of, you have the first year and you live on the honeymoon, so to speak. And then the second year is kind of, eh. Uh, I said, I, you know, we're, we're very, very happy. And he said, well, I'm not. And I said, really? Uh, you appear to be. You, you look like you are. He said, we got married and he said, in all honesty, and now they've been married two years, they had never consummated the marriage. Because every time she would emotionally break down, to which I said to him, have you been to a counselor? And she, he said, no. I said, some kind of abuse has happened somewhere along the way. Now today, they have three children. And they've worked through that. But they didn't discuss that in premarital counseling. They didn't discuss that with each other. But the abuse that had been inflicted upon her translated into her marital relationship and affected that marital relationship. And here's the thing. There's not too many men that would stick by for that. But yet he was faithful to do it. Love has got to be the foundation. So if you've been in broken relationships, if you've experienced abuse, whatever it might be, and you may not want to admit it because as long as you don't admit it, it's not a reality for you. I, I hate to bust your bubble, but here's the fact. Denial will never usher in the love that you and I so desperately need. You were created for a life better than what it is today. For each one of us, God's intentions, His intentions for our lives is for our lives to flourish not that you and I will get what we want, but that we will absolutely live in accordance to His will, that we would live in the shadow of the cross, that you and I would be overwhelmed by the power of His transcending grace and the love that He has for us, and that that would define our relationships. For 2015, many of us need to take our marriage and we need to lay it on the altar and we say, you know what? I have got to make some changes because the trajectory that we're on is not going to lead us to godliness. The trajectory that we are on is not going to build us up and lead to better harmony and unity. The trajectory that we're on is going to lead to devastation. So where are you in the process? Everything that matters in life is built on Love. Love is the foundation of our relationship to God. Love is the foundation of the home. And finally, love is the foundation of the church. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by, wash, by the washing with water through the word. Love is the foundation of the church. Christ loved the church and he died for it. The expression of what Christ did for the church is the greatest expression of what love can embody. No one can have greater love than what God had for the church. No one can have greater love than what, for what Christ has done for you and for me going to a cross to die for our sins. Which means 
that we don't have to be responsible for paying the debt of sin. It's been paid by Jesus. Our responsibility is to acknowledge who God is, to make Him Lord of our life. And here's the thing. When you marry, it's not just Lord of your life, it's Lord of your household. Your marriage, your children, your extended family. Love becomes the primary factor of the relationship. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for a friend. The church is built upon the love that Christ laid down for us. But this is what I know. You and I, we as followers of Jesus, cannot focus on the love in the church until we begin at our home. You and I have got to look in the mirror and really gauge where we are. Are we loving people the way Christ loves them? Are we treating people the way Christ would want them to be treated? Are we embodying the love that Scripture so eloquently speaks about? Are we embodying the love that we're portraying to other people when we send out our Christmas cards? Are we actually... Are we actually embodying the love that we kind of put on Facebook? And I think for most of us, our walk away today would be, you know, our family doesn't match up to that. And so if it doesn't match up to that, we have the responsibility to do something about it. And it begins at the very foundation of the relationship, love. Men, I challenge you. To get away for a couple moments, whatever it needs to be, with your spouse, with your wife. And for you to tell your wife, and not lie to her, I want you to be honest. To tell her that you're going to do your very best to love her the way Christ loved the church. And I'm going to tell you, for some of you, your marriage, you're going to experience romance. You're going to feel like you're dating again. You're going to feel like it was like it was 20 years ago when you first started to date. And there's others of you who have been married maybe for a couple of years. Or for even those of you who are looking to get married. Listen, there is no greater decision, life decision, than you and I make other than salvation. Than who we choose to marry. Choose selectively. Make sure that they are God's person for you. It is not something that you need to go into and say, Oh, well, I'm going to settle for this one. Don't settle. Seek God's very best in your relationship. Here's the thing. Some people are called to be single. And the first thing that we want to do in the church is we want to get them to date people. Why? Some people are called to be single. They're perfectly happy being single. They don't need, they're not called to be in a relationship with somebody else. Don't try to force them into a relationship with somebody else. Others of us have sought our identity in the person that we're dating. Many of our women have completely thrown their lives into their children. That's their life. That's what they do. The only problem with that is children grow up. Don't waste away 
God has great things to do for this church at First Baptist. But the great things that he's going to do involve us taking the steps in our individual homes. Making a priority. Listen, if you make a priority list for, for 2015, many of you would put, you know, because you're in church, you would write, you put number one, you write God. Number two, family. And number three, you would put church or friends or whatever else. One God, two family, three church. Wrong idea. The fact that you and I would even put God on the same piece of paper as the other priorities shows that we don't understand. God is not a priority. God is the priority. And when you make him number one in your walk with him, when you make him number one of your marriage, when you make him number one of being the father and the mother of your children, when you make him number one in your relationships, everything else will fall into place where it needs to fall in. Don't put anything on the same piece of paper as a priority for God. God is the priority. And my closing question is simply this. Is God your priority in this moment right now? Because if he's not, don't let another year go by. As you got your brand new calendar and you're planning for your year and you pencil things in that always happen, do you live for just those spurts of moments kind of skimming across the calendar pages? God's not designed you for that. God wants you to value and enjoy every single day that he gives to you. Don't wish your life away. Don't wish your wife away either. Don't wish your life away. You and I have to make the conscious decision to make God the priority. And if you'll begin doing that, I promise you, I, I say, try it for 90 days. <laughs> Just try it for 90 days, three months. Do it the first quarter of this year. And I promise you, your relationships will change. And you will experience things that you have not experienced, perhaps in forever, but at least in a number of years. Is God the priority for you in this moment right now? And here's the invitation. If God is not, the, if you cannot sit there and state today emphatically that God is your priority, then this is where you need to be. Because God has business to do with you. He's not finished with you. He has only begun with us. And he wants you to have the marriage that, you, that is a dream, that you always dreamed of, that would be far better than what you could make it. Because when God is authoring it, when God is writing your story, when God is writing your family's history, he makes the changes that need to be made. He puts the relationships that need to be there. When God is in control, all is right with the world. When God's not in control, when he's not the priority, there's chaos all around. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for our time together. To looking into your word as far as how your love is so transforming to our lives. Lord, as we think about our relationship with you and as we think about our relationship with our family and our friends... Can we honestly say today that, God, you are the priority of our lives. Everything else pales in comparison. God, if we're here today and we say, you know what? 
I have a marriage like what he talked about. I feel like I'm a roommate. Or maybe today you say, I don't even know who the person I married anymore. It's not the same person that I married 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago. And your marriage needs help. And your relationship needs help. And Lord, our simple prayer today is that you would find us faithful to trust you. Just as people have trusted you as Lord and Savior over their lives, that they would give you their marriage relationship, they would give you their, their uh, engagement, they would give you the relationship they have with you, they would lay it at this altar and say, God, I can't fix this. You've got to do it. And God will be faithful to do that. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted in Christ. You've never, ever understood or comprehended or experienced the love of God. And it's got your curiosity up. And the Holy Spirit has done something. You don't really know what it is. But you feel awkward. You feel anguish. You feel like you can feel your heart beating in your chest. You don't really know what that is. That's probably what we call your conscience. And your conscience is the Holy Spirit moving in your life. Won't you come and won't you receive Christ as Lord and Savior? There's other things that are bothering us, other stressors that are out there that we need to lay at your feet. God, I pray that you would help us as we turn our eyes to you. May we turn our hearts and our lives to you. God, may we offer all that we are, making you the priority as we go into this new year. No need to fear, no need to tremble. But God, as we are honest, transparent, and authentic, Give us the courage and strength that we need to come as we've been moved by you and moved through you. May we come and meet you here in this place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If that was your prayer today, or maybe today you say, I want, I want my marriage to be different. Won't you come to this altar? You don't have to talk to me. You come to this altar, you lay your marriage at this altar, and you say, God... It's yours, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to have the marriage that I've always dreamed of. The solution to your problems is not to give up. The solution to your problems is not to deny it. The solution to your problems is to begin with God's love and allow Him to move in an amazing way. He knows your situation. He just wants you to acknowledge your situation before Him. Won't you come as we stand, as we sing, and as we worship together, turning our eyes to Jesus?